Yo, 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 good evening and happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to episode 118 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Now that the NFL season's over, I'm going to turn my attention to the NBA. That's right, the return of my NBA takes, but I won't be doing this alone. I will have a guest, a returning guest, that is Steve Asuv from the Blue Bleed Show podcast will be joining me, and we'll break down the first half of the NBA season and what we're looking forward to the second half of the NBA season coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. Yo, Steve. What's going on, Gabe? How's everything, man? Man, everything's everything, man. Everything's good. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I can't complain. Well, I can't complain. Depends on which T I root for in the New York area, but that's a story for another day, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad you're able to join me tonight. Absolutely, man. I love talking sports with you, man, and you know your stuff, and it's a fun episode. You got a fun sports podcast, man. Much much respect, man, and thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, here we are with um, episode 118 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe, and I have a returning guest here. My my guest is Steve Asu from the Blue Bleed Blue Short podcast. And we'll be talking NBA tonight. And so we're going to talk about the first half, give us an analysis and takes on the first half of the NBA season as we're at the um, midway point. And of course, the All-Star game is this weekend. So I'm going to start this um, broadcast out. Um, first topic is going to be, you know, what is your big, big, big surprise or I'll just put it in plural surprises of the first half in the NBA season, what would you say is your biggest surprises? Biggest surprises, biggest surprises. Um, wow, this is an interesting season. Uh, I knew the Lakers were going to be somewhat bad, but not this bad. And I think a lot of it had to do with LeBron James injury. A lot of that uh, through you know the fall up and through Chris up and uh, through Christmas, and the Lakers are like twenty something games behind first place of the Phoenix Suns. To me, that's a little bit surprising, to be quite honest. Um, I also think the Cleveland Cavaliers are somewhat of a surprise. I thought they will contend for a playing game, but their formula as far as bringing that roster together with all their big men and the stretch fours that they have and their little guards that could create off the dribble, uh, they kind of surprised me too. I think they surprised a lot of the NBA and also the Memphis Grizzlies. I think... Uh, with a roster that's basically based, built around John Morant and just everybody else, they're leading their division. They have been probably the most fun watch team I I think in the NBA. Like for me, I watch a lot of Memphis Grizzlies games outside of my own team. I watch all the games, but I really enjoy the Grizzly games. I think they they've probably been the most surprising as far as where they are in the standings and taking a hold of the Southwest Division. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I would say Memphis would probably be my biggest surprise because, I mean, remember last year they were in the play-in um, tournament and, you know, they upset the Golden State Warriors to get that last spot, In I mean, in the playoffs last year. And, of course, they went down in five to the Utah Jazz. But I didn't think they would make this leap, I mean, this year. And they made a huge leap. I mean, like I was saying, you know, back in football with the Cincinnati Bengals, I was thinking they were probably a year or two away. And I was thinking the same thing, but the Memphis Grizzlies, that they were probably a year or two away from being a possible contender, but looks like they're a year ahead. Yeah, um, because I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. Um, There's a guy by the name of Desmond Bain. I love coming out of TCU. That's a guy I actually wanted to draft for the Knicks. I'm a Knicks fan, and I wanted to draft him, watching him in his TCU uh, games, and he's a sniper. He's a, I love snipers. I love guys who can shoot the three ball, and the NBA is all about the three ball uh, in today's NBA. But okay. I also think there's also um, Jared Jackson, a guy that missed a lot of the season, 
uh, before, and he was a guy that's kind of like he was a high draft pick coming out of college, and he's fitting right perfectly. There's not a lot of spotlight on him, not a lot of pressure because I think John Morant uh, takes a lot of pressure off of a lot of their players. So to me, uh, the combination of the young uh, talent that they have, they made the trade with Valanchunas for Steven Adams. It, to, my, to me, it's kind of a wash. But Steven Adams is kind of more not really caring about scoring the b- basketball. He's more about defensive rebounds, boxing out, the pain. He does all the dirty stuff for them. When Dylan Brooks went down, De- Desmond Bank took the start, the started shooting guard spot and just pretty much w- it went on from there. Um, you know, whether it was Kyle Anderson or Brandon Clark, those guys have, they play with a lot of young energy. I mean, you watch their games, they're doing pretty much and one stuff during the game, alley-oops, all kind of crazy stuff, man. They are oh, yeah. having fun. They are having yeah. fun. And, and, the, and the coach, head coach Taylor, he, you got to give him credit, man. He's got them guys balling, man. He's got oh, yeah, them no guys doubt. balling. No doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've been, they've been a, a human highlight real team, I mean, throughout most of the season, more than any other team. I mean, and I would also say, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, without a doubt, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, another team I think is surprising, I think the Chicago Bulls. I mean, I mean, when they put this team together with, you know, DeMar LaRozan, I mean, Zach Levine and Alonzo Ball before Alonzo, you know, got hurt. I mean, nobody expected. I mean, they just came out of nowhere. I mean, they just basically sneaked up on the, the NBA this season. And I mean, and, and Marlon Rosen, I mean, everybody, I mean, this is the best he's played since he's been in Toronto. I mean, no, nobody even, I mean, when he went to, when he was in San Antonio, I mean, we barely even talked about it. But now, I mean, he's looking like, you know, an MVP candidate. Yeah. You know what? Here's the thing about winning. And it, when you, you already know this game, when you're winning games, you're getting the spotlight, you're getting favorable press. And sometimes, you have to be in the right place at the right time. And with DeMar DeRozan uh, playing well as he, I don't think he's really even took, you know, took a step back. I think he, he, I put it like this. I think his game has actually been a little bit better since San Antonio and maybe just as good in his prime in Toronto. But it's the thing about winning is when you're at a certain place like Chicago, a major media market, uh, Chicago, the Chicago Bulls, they, they still have a lot of loyal friends, uh, it, to me, it's more of a Cubs town per se. Maybe Blackhawks. Oh, definitely Bears for sure. Chicago yeah. Bears. But the Bulls is kind of like the other team in that town. It hasn't been like the main team since Jordan. Uh, even when the Derrick Rose teams were there, it still felt like it was the Bears town, the Cubs teams like that. But but when you're but they really want basketball. I mean, it's a really it's a basketball city as well. And DeMar DeRozan, when he was on San Antonio for the, you know, for a little bit of the stretch, they weren't winning, you know? I mean, I, he was still kind of doing the same. His averages were a little bit lower, but when you play with better talent that he has with in Chicago, you know, Zach Levine was playing monstrously uh, even before he got there. And then mm-hmm. the guy you didn't mention, uh, also Nikola Vucevic, when they got in the trade with uh, Wendell Carter with Orlando Magic in the previous season, it's all coming together. And also the adding Alex Caruso from the Lakers was a very underrated move. It, it was, it was. I mean, I admit I was kind of, as a Laker fan, I mean, I admit I was kind of disappointed to, you know, see him, you know, go. So I mean, so I mean that was that that was kind of disappointing. Yeah, he's he's playing some some good ball too. And like I say, Vucevic, you know, he's averaging like 18 points a game and 12 rebounds. So, and you got to give kudos to um Billy Donovan. I mean, he I mean he got ran out of um Oklahoma City, and and then he he comes to the Bulls, and he I mean he just he's got this team playing together. Yeah, that's a good question. That, I, I probably could de- debate you on that. Who gets more credit, Billy Donovan or the front office of the Bulls? That's, man, I, I, could, I could make an argument for either way. Yeah, you could. I mean, because, I mean, think about it. Hiring Billy Donovan, like you say, after he got ran out of um, OKC. I mean, and then he comes in there and, you know, in the first the first full, his first full season, he got this team, he got this team in second, I mean, in second place behind the Miami Heat. Well, actually, Tied for first place with the Miami Heat, that is, and I mean they're going and they're 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 probably the hottest team in NBA. Well, the second hottest team in NBA behind the Phoenix Suns because they've won five in a row. So, 
So, I mean, I think you can, you like I said, you can make a case for either guy. I mean, either <laughs> the off offense or the coach. I mean, I think yeah. I would probably go more with um, the, the front office for put for get for putting this team together, and all they yeah. needed was a good coach to coach him up. I agree with that. You got to get the players, and then from there, you know, the chemistry will work if the coach could make it work. But first, you got to get the players, and that's a front office move. And these mm-hmm. moves were being made in the prior season to set it up for this season. They kind of got uh, they got two closers, and a lot of teams don't have one. And to have two closers at the end of the games to create their own shot and Zach Levine and, De- and DeMar DeRozan. You saw DeMar DeRozan made two game winners in back-to-back games, like one game versus the Pacers on the road. And then the, then the next night or the next time they went to play, they were in Washington, had a game winner in the corner. Uh, to have that on your team, it, that, that really is really big in, in the NBA because you already know, man, you, some guys just – crumble under pressure and they got two that could do it <laughs> and yeah. they have a, a, a two I'll say two and a half because honestly I mean I would call it a, a closer but Vucevic is a very underrated center he has been a very underrated center a lot of these years in Orlando because like I said in the for the for mention point like when you're he, he was producing a lot of the years in Orlando, but they weren't winning and there was no spotlight on him. There's probably no spotlight on him right now because everybody else is doing so well, like DeMar Rosen, Zach Levine, uh, Alice Caruso, uh, Caruso when he was there. So yeah, man, they have they have done a nice job, man. I, I can't front. I, I thought they would probably be a playing team, but yeah, they have really, you know, played very well, man, for sure. Yeah. And of course, we can't forget. I mean, I know he's not he's, he's not there right now, but I mean, Alonzo Ball was actually playing some good ball as well. I mean, averaging 13 points, you know, five rebounds, five assists. So Alonzo Ball, you know, I mean, pl- played a role in that as well. I mean, unfortunately, he's out right now, but let's not forget about old Alonzo there. You're absolutely correct. Um, forgive me for that. You're right. <laughs> um, you got pretty much a lot of guards and a lot of guards that can defend and Lazo along with Levine and DeRozan could create their own shot as well so yeah you have a guy who's a pretty much a fast first and his, let's, let's be honest his shot has been uh, much improved since coming into the league it looks like a shot now you know so he's shooting the ball well he's shooting the ball a little bit better he's not where it, it can be but he has taken a step in the right direction yeah that is a very good addition that's another front office uh chat box oh yeah definitely definitely i mean because actually before he even got there you know when he was in um, new orleans his shot was actually was, was was improving i mean he worked with a with a shooting coach and he improved his shot when he when he was in um new orleans so I mean that that was just basically just a carryover effect. Right on, yeah, yeah. But so what what do you think as far as the ceiling for the Bulls? And looking at this more than halfway point of the season, do you think uh, their ceiling is what Eastern Conference Finals, semifinals, first round exit? Uh, what, how do you see them? I'm gonna give I'm gonna right now at, at 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 this rate, I would probably give them maybe a semifinals exit. I mean I'm, I'm not. I, I think right now, I mean, I think because I mean, you still got you know, the Sixers, Milwaukee. I mean, I mean, I, I think they, those teams are still better than them at, at this point. And I think you know, if they were to meet any of those teams in the playoffs, I think the experience would take over. And I even think if they were to face the Miami Heat, they would probably get 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 eliminated by them as well because I think the Miami Heat. I mean, we're not talking. We're not. Nobody's talking much about them right now, but they are quietly. I mean, back to almost like two years ago. Well, well, not really two years ago, but well, I, I guess you can actually still say two years ago, but actually they're better than they were two years ago. Because, I mean, yeah, they basically barely got into the playoffs in the bubble and, you know, made some noise. But, I mean, they look like now, I mean, they look very formidable. And um, and think about it is, this, this, I mean, there's no, there's no, I mean, we all know what Jimmy Butler is, but, you know, everybody else is playing, you know, a part. Yeah, they're an interesting team. Um, we talk about them on the Bleed Blue show uh, when we talk around the NBA. And th- they have probably the most consistent culture in the last 20 years. I can't think of another team with a uh, more consistent culture when it goes to like Pat Riley, Eric Spolster, the head coach. And it doesn't matter who they bring in. They plug them into the culture. They tell, the, they tell everybody it is what it's going to be 
this is what it's going to be. We're going to be a hard-nosed, defensive-minded team, and we're going to make teams work, and we're going to believe in the three. And if you notice, uh, Gabe, that um, God has like, always the 15 men on the bench. He should have been retired. Udonis has one. He's there for a reason. He's yeah. he's almost like a player coach, but he's always in warm-ups. They, they do that purposely to let them know that he's – Florida born and raised he's he's Miami through and through University of Florida champion on the Miami Heat team so he carries that 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 championship uh that run from 06 to to the 2012 LeBron teams with Wade he's there purposely to let the current guys know that we have a mission in place uh and and they stick to that so they did it they had a nice additions with uh, PJ Tucker coming over from the Bucks uh for whatever reason the I'm surprised that the Bucks didn't go after him, yeah, you know, after winning the championship. You know, but that's so we'll, we'll get to them probably. And then, um, you know, I got let's give credit. Oh, what's his name? Um, Tyler Hero has played phenomenal off the bench for them. He's been yeah. a scoring machine. I think he's currently hurt, but when he was healthy, he was a scoring machine. Now, Duncan Robinson is a guy. I personally follow because, you know, I do fantasy basketball and I always keep up with guys around the league who are on my team, on my fantasy basketball team. And he shot the ball like crap early on, but it's picked up to Duncan Robinson level. And adding Kyle Lowry, a Philadelphian, you know, tough-nosed guard. We talked about DeRozan and, you know, they, they were obviously linked those years in Toronto. A lifetime Raptor, probably one of the all-time greatest Raptors. Maybe not heralded, but as far as, you know, longevity statistics, now he's in Miami, brings championship pedigree to the point guard position. They moved Gordon Dragic out of there from the trade. I'm a little surprised, but knowing that how their culture is, Gabe, listen, we shouldn't be surprised. And and I used to say Eric Spolster was overrated. I took that back on the Bleed Blue Show. I said, man, he's earned his stripes as a head coach. Yeah, like you said, the consistency is the most important thing. I mean, I mean, Spoles has been there, like you say, over 20 years. And I mean, how many coaches in the NBA have even been there, you know, five years or even 10 years in the, in, I mean, there, I mean, he, they bring a level of consistency. It's like, you know, he's, he's been there through, you know, the big three, you know, then of course the down years and then, you know, then they, they've been, and, and he, and he, and he, and he, and he's, he, he, he stuck with him. You know, and it, and, it, and he finally got and it got it together again. So it looks like you know, like I say, they could be formidable. But I think for Miami, the, my, my big test for them is going to be if they beat the Milwaukee Bucks, will they be? I mean, will will they be? Will they be um, able to beat them this time? Because last week, last year, they got swept. So Milwaukee Bucks basically, you know, clean swept them. Court. So I just want to see if, you know, if they were to meet the Milwaukee Bucks, will they be up for the challenge? Well, I would say, yeah, they will be up for the challenge. Will they beat them? I, I'm not sure yet. I have to see a little bit more basketball before the start of the playoffs. But remember the year before that game, remember Miami swept Milwaukee in the bubble. So they have a little back and forth rivalry the last couple of years. And I think Milwaukee, before they met with Brooklyn in the playoffs, they were kind of on a mission to see Miami. Because remember, that was the narrative, or I mean, rightfully so, because Milwaukee, could they finally get to the final game? Like, that was the whole thing with them. Can they get past the first round? They, they had a phenomenal regular season last year. You know, great record, but no fans in the stands. And then Milwaukee, uh, uh, in Miami, comes you know plays them uh the year before that in, in the bubble and it just took them out like straight out in orlando and then the next year that's when milwaukee came back and beat them because they needed milwaukee needed that more than miami honestly because miami already had just been to the finals versus the lakers so yeah uh this is a nice little right rivalry they've been having the last couple of years meeting up in the playoffs so they answered yeah they'll be of course i think they will definitely be up for the for it will they win I, I that's to be determined i can't say that yet i would say no i still think milwaukee still had a little bit more horses but it would be a seven game series at six at least six maybe well, seven. that'd be good because let's be honest like i said the last two times like you mentioned they met i mean they they like say mine i think miami two years ago beat them in what four or five and Milwaukee <laughs> them. So, so it was, hopefully we will get us. I mean, a competitive series. So, yeah, I'm not. That, that'll be one matchup. I think. I'll, I mean, if it if it 
goes in that direction, I'll be definitely looking forward to that matchup. Mm-hmm. So, definitely. yeah. So let's go now to what would you say, um, your um, your dis- I mean, disappointments. I mean, <laughs> the Knicks. No, I'm just kidding. I was say, um, no, no, disappointment, disappointment. Uh, the Lakers is up there. Biasly and unbiasedly, how you want to look at my Knicks? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that might be. I think that might be it. I mean, everything seems about right. Everything I'm gonna be. Well, I, I agree with you with the Lakers, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put the Nets. I'm gonna put the Knicks and I'll put the Atlanta Fal- uh, Hawks in there. Let's just start. Let me. Let me. I'm, I'm just gonna go on a little bit of a, a, a small rant. About 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 my Lakers. Go for it. <laughs> Let's put it this way. To me, putting this team together was a mistake. I it just seems like they were trying to, you know, party like it was 2020 again. I mean, getting all these old guys, you know, like Dw- Dwight Howard, Rondo was on there for a bit, you know, and of course they bring Camelo Anthony, and then of course bringing Westbrook. I I, admit, I I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. I mean, and it's it's turned out that he's a liability. And of course, I mean, now to be, of course, I'm gonna be fair. I mean, the injuries have have played a role, but the simple fact is, this team is old and slow. I mean, you got fast teams like Phoenix, Golden State, Memphis, and you're trying to play with guys that are like, you know, t- 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 10, 15 years um, older than these guys that are on the court right now and they're getting in, and they're, and they're getting run off the court. I mean, even one game when they played the Nuggets, they got blow up, blown up by 37. I and, remember that. I watched that. <laughs> I mean, that was just, I mean, that was just so, that was so terrible. And then they did nothing at the trade deadline. I mean, if it was me, I would probably, I, I'd, I'd try to, you know, maybe move um, Westbrook and Anthony Davis for uh, Dane Lillard. <laughs> of course, that's a dream scenario. That's what I would have done. I mean, yeah, I know Dame Lewis talking about how he's loyal and things like that. But come on, after a while, that's gonna that's gonna wear thin. So yeah, yeah, with the Lakers, exactly what you said. And it comes with the territory. When you have older players; they're going to get injured. It's just the way it works. And so they were playing against Father Time, and Father Time caught up with them with injuries. So. I'm a little surprised that they fell this far back because I think more so than anything, the LeBron injury situation we haven't seen. Because I thought, you know, when you put as much money or investment into your body as as much as he does, I was pretty much conditioned that he's always going to play a lot of games every year because he's always looked like he's in phenomenal shape for the most part of his majority of his career. He's always playing. You know, I didn't expect him to break down. And I think a little bit started last year when he rolled on Solomon Hill's uh, ankle. Uh, mm-hmm. When he rolled his ankle on Solomon Hill when he came down from that shot last year. I don't know. He's just lost. And ever since then, he's been injury prone a little bit. So I didn't see that coming. Because I think with most LeBron teams, we already know as LeBron goes, the team goes. And when you're not there, you get exposed. So. I think that's the part I didn't really see, and that's kind of surprising to me. And um, um, I don't know, man. I mean, they get in. I don't think they're going to last long. No, no, their their ceiling's probably the second round, and I'm that's a that's a a, a very lenient second round. I, I mean, they might not even get into the you know you know the playing game. They probably get into, but I don't even know if they survive that. We'll see. Yeah, you're yeah you're right. I mean, like I said, LeBron has been you know he's been durable for most of his career up until the last like I said couple of years you know he's been getting hurt and of course anthony davis is, is basically a pretzel stick i mean he, oh, I mean, he, he, he touches him he cracks so i mean <laughs> so it's just yeah I now, mean, how do you feel about that saying? though i mean but let me ask you this how do you feel about that with anthony davis now here's the thing though like you know he's paper mache he's going to get injured but he did get you a championship when he was there in that bubble like how do you how do you feel as a laker fan like getting a chip out of him but the other side of it, his durability. What do you like? Well, your- I mean, I appreciate the fact that you know he was there. You know, he was a, he was a, contri- a contributor to getting that championship in the bubble. But we also have to understand. I mean, he. I mean, you're you're not going to get a full 82 games out of him. I mean, you never had even before. You know, he was traded to the Lakers when he was on 
New Orleans, you didn't get 82 games out of them. So, I mean, I think after a while, it's just you just never know. It's never a question of if, but when he's going to get hurt. And now he's out again. And now they're saying four weeks, which is basically a month. And, right. you know, they, they've played 58 games in, I mean, the Lakers. So that means they got about, what, 24 more games to go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, now LeBron's got to take it all on his shoulders. And like I say, he's going to have to depend on, you know, some, a combination of somebody old and, you know, like Malik Monk. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm high on that guy. I mean, yeah, he's got to, he's got to step, he's got to step his game up to help LeBron. And, and LeBron just got to do what he can to carry those guys, you know, until AD gets back in a month. Well, the thing, yeah, Malik Brown has played well, you know, coming from the Hornets, uh, shooting the ball well. But what happened to guys like uh, Horton Tucker, Taylor Horton Tucker? Uh, guys, I thought that was going to really take the next step uh, to really fill in. Uh, they brought in a lot of veterans. Like you said, Russell Westbrook hasn't really panned out. Haven't really seen much of Kendrick Nunn when they brought him over. Uh, uh, Kent Bazemore, Avery Bradley, Camarillo. A lot of these guys are older. And... One thing you you brought up, you brought up the game I actually watched, and that was the the game they went to Denver and Denver smoked them, uh, smoked the smoked the Lakers. The, the one thing I cl- is clearly evident that I watched, they play no defense at all. I'm talking about the Lakers. That, I mean, they're not going to go far at all. They have no. The reason why they won in the bubble, the championship over Miami, because they they had defense. You know, Alex Caruso was up in the a guard's chest. Uh, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. I mean, they they put it all on the line in the bubble against the Miami Heat. But they don't have that same intensity now. They just don't. And with this crop of players, that that you can't. I don't care how much offense the NBA has. If you don't have any defensive intensity to at least match some of the offense you're bringing, you're done. It's a wrap. They oh. these guys shoot. They can't. They shoot the ball too well in today's NBA. A lot of it's because of the way that it's being called. You know, you can't really touch them. But yeah, no, nah, I don't see the Lakers going far at all, man. Yeah, not only that. I mean, they like Mark Jackson even said, and on the broadcast, I mean, the last week when they played the Warriors, they just don't. They don't have any good habits. I mean, I mean, like you say, defensively, you know, they don't play any good defense. I mean, like I said, they're old and slow. So, but. Let's just move. Let's let's go with the Nets here. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, you have okay. to say that this is this has been a disappointment. I mean, not just even this year, but even putting this team together. I mean, I think you know, I think sooner or later, I mean, the the, the, the result that we got was going to happen. I mean, what do you think? I think they have a big shot to get to the finals now. I think what. They have the most interesting scenario with the roster between the California teams and the New York teams. Uh, locally, lo- you know, jurisdictions had it where if you couldn't, you know, high school players, college, collegiate, and, and, and full arenas, they said if you want to be in there, you have to be fully vaccinated. And that's, you know, had the situation with Kyrie Irving, which was pretty much the the talk of the NBA before the season of him not playing home games, only away games. Um, now the Nets were in first play, place cruising when Harden and Irvin, uh, or not Irvin, um, Harden and Durant were there. Um, but I think they significantly improved the game. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because to me, James Harden, if it had been Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Durant, I think that still would have been enough to get it done, even with Kyrie only playing road games. But when you trade, that trade was good for both teams. Let's get, we got to get addressed this trade. Uh, yeah. Moving uh, Ben Simmons to Brooklyn, and alongside that, you got a guy in Seth Curry who pretty much is Joe Harris. Joe Harris was their shooter last year, in the last several years for the Nets. He's basically the same guy. That's, that's all they do is catch and shoot. Perfect fit on that front. But Harden, to me, was almost like an extra to Kyrie because they both played the point guard a little differently. Kyrie's more of a... Uh, 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 he's probably the best dribbler in NBA history, honestly. Yeah. He's top five. He gets to the hole any time. And Harden is really tops in assists. But they were kind of a carbon copy of each other as far as production on how they get their points and get assists. 
you traded that and got back arguably the one of the best big men that could defend in Ben Simmons. And the Nets need defense. And also, they got Andre Drummond on top of that to get it's really true. dirty on the boards, uh, on the block. You know, a guy who's playing behind Embiid for the last season kind of know what he does in practice, kind of knows what he does. Same thing with Ben Simmons. They know these guys in Philadelphia. So I think the Nets are really, and this is the crazy thing about this game. If they go on the road, it might be to the Nets' advantage because of the Kyrie Irving situation. <laughs> yep. You're right. You're right. They're right, well, they're right. With six right now, seventh in the standings. So if they don't even get home court, no big deal. We'll have Kyrie for an extra game if it goes against seven. <laughs> like, oh, they could goodness. actually go on a run because, I mean, they're in eighth place right now, you know, so they, okay. they'd, be in the, they'd be in the play in tournament. But you I mean, but I agree with you. Um, I mean, the, the Nets actually did get better. I mean, like I say, Ben Simmons, I mean, you don't have to worry about him shooting. I mean, like I say, right. Kevin Durant and um, Kyrie Irving already got that taken care of. And Correct. then, of course, you got Seth Curry, who's, I mean, coming off the bench. So you got some, um, you know, at least, you know, a couple of threes a night. And like you say, you got, drum, you know, Drummond, who's going to get, you know, do, um, the garbage um, rebounds and things like that. So, yeah, there's a chance they could. I mean, they may not stay in this um eighth place. They may move up, depending they on what probably, happens. With, yeah, they can move up with, um, with Boston, Milwaukee, and Cleveland, and all the other teams in front of them. Yeah, yeah, that's quite possible. We'll see if they do move up. But I don't. It doesn't even to me. It doesn't matter if it's road games. Oh well, then if as long as Kyrie Irving is there and they're healthy, they have a, of course a legitimate shot to go to any building in the East or West and win on the road with everybody intact. And here's the other kicker about the Ben Simmons situation that I love for them. Um, when you play a team like the Milwaukee Bucks and you know Ben Simmons doesn't even have to shoot and doesn't necessarily care to shoot to your point as far as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant taking all the shots. All he really has to do is just, hey, get on number 34 on Milwaukee and just stay in front of him and don't get him fouls. Make his life hell, and he can make it hell. Like, all that uh, fast break stuff that Greek Freak does going up the court, you got mm-hmm. Ben Simmons in front of him. That's good. It's not going to be as easy, bro. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot harder to get to where you need to go if you're the Greek Freak. Because of Ben Simmons's lateral movement athletically to stay with the guy like the, the Greek freak, I think that really helps the the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Well, I mean, Ben Simmons could be like the Dennis Rodman of this era if he, I mean, if he, if he, if he can um, I mean, get his de- his defense um, is intact. I mean, you know, because remember in the old days with Dennis Rodman, I mean, Rodman could play almost any position. I mean, any point guard, any forward or center, and Rodman can get under their skin. So. I mean, of course, Ben Simmons is more athletic than Dennis Rodman was, but you know, all in my opinion, I think Den, um, Ben Simmons could be the new Dennis Rodman, especially if he's if they have to play the Milwaukee Bucks and he's able to, you know, give Giannis, you know, the problems that they that um, they need in order to win win the game. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, as far as impact, he's somewhere in between, let's say, Dennis Rodman and let's say uh, Draymond Green. Uh, kind of like one of those guys. Yeah, Draymond Green can shoot a little bit. Not necessarily great shooter. He can knock down an open shot. Ben Simmons can't do that at all. And doesn't care to shoot. But as far as, like you said, as far as getting down and dirty and just pretty much rebounds, and and, and Ben Simmons is definitely the better floor general than both of those guys. He could play oh, yeah. point. So, yeah, it definitely works. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's switch gears. I know this is a sore subject, but the Knicks. What happened? I mean, last year, I mean, it seemed like they got back to respectability and it, it was like, oh man, this is what the NBA I mean, wanted and needed with one of their, um, sta- I mean, their premier franchises, the New York Knicks, to be back to respectability. You know, to see Madison Square Garden rocking again. But yet, but this year, I mean, they've totally fallen off. It's like, you know, what happened there? Well, I mean, this this is what really happened. Um, we talk about it on our show, the Blue Blue Show, the, with the Knicks, uh, we every week. And the issue was like how we were giving props to the Chicago Bulls for front office moves. This was a front office blunder from the Knicks, if you would ask me, because this really goes back to the draft of uh, 
two seasons ago. The, the the draft we drafted Obi Toppin, that's where we messed up. And this is coming to bite, bite us in the rear end. Um, not you know, Obi Toppin has approved, but he's not to a level where he's a difference maker. And the Knicks needed a difference maker in that draft. And that's the draft they should have drafted the point guard, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who ended up being drafted by the Kings. And now, just what, a couple weeks ago, was traded to the Indiana Pacers. Have you seen what he's been doing with the Pacers right now? I know the Pacers are out of it, but just far as floor generalship, uh, he's a walking double-double. He'll get you the points. He'll get you the double-digit assists. He's athletic. He gets you steals. He can shoot the ball. That's what the Knicks needed. They should have drafted him because the Knicks have literally no point guard play. And the thing about it, uh, Gabe, on this to work with the Knicks, to see the Knicks actually went on a nice little run that got them to the fourth seed last year because last year they made the trade with Dennis Smith Jr. for Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose was the difference maker on why the Knicks got to the fourth seed. Had that move had not been made, they would have been the Knicks of what you're seeing this season. And also, if you add on to the fact that JR, uh, not JR, uh, Julius Randle, uh, his production has dropped because I think he's being run into the ground. He's being asked to do too much. He's, uh, the Knicks are the, the worst paced team in the league. They're they they they're terrible in the half court, and then they gave up defense for offense on top of that. Meaning, guys like Reggie Bullock, um, and call it for what it's worth. A lot of Knicks fans don't like him, and I don't really necessarily like him. And Frank Nelikina, but defensively he was a monster. And then if you all those type of guys or defense first catch and shoot uh, for the three, we gave that up for Evan Fournier. And Kimball Walker. Now, Kimball Walker came on a cheap because he was bought out by the OKC uh, Thunder, and he got a cheap, uh, what, $7 million deal for the Knicks. Gabe, to be honest with you, those two moves with Evan Fournier and Kimball Walker has killed the Knicks. And I'm a Kimball guy. guy. I love Kimball Walker. And I'm just yeah. being objective when I say this. I love Kimball, you know, uh, high school, collegially, pros, but the lack of production from the point guard position for the Knicks has killed the Knicks. And and then ever since Derrick Rose got hurt, or, you know, he had the ankle surgery. He's supposed to be back after the all early March. Ever since his injury, the Knicks have been in a spiral. They were kind of competing. They were like fifth seed, fourth seed for a little bit early on when he was there. But you take out that point guard uh, game, and you already know Tom Thibodeau trusts Derrick Rose. That's his guy. You know, yep. no matter if it was Chicago, Minnesota, bring up, you know, he's the one probably who pulled the trigger to get him from Detroit. Because remember, you know, Rose was a Nick before. Yep. He, that was the same guy that walked off the court under the Phil Jackson era. Came back to the Knicks because Thibodeau's there. No Derrick Rose, no go for the Knicks. It's that simple for me, man. Yeah, yeah. And what about um RJ Barrett? I mean, all right. I mean, I was watching that game a couple of weeks ago when the Knicks were taking on the Lakers uh, in prime time, and it's like they were up by 21, and then, uh, and of course, the Lakers came back and beat them in overtime. But it, it seems like, and of course, you saw this trend. You know, during the week, the Knicks had, I mean, a 20 point lead three times. You know, I mean, this week, and then and blew the game, lost the lead, and lost the game. It's like you know, Tom Thibodeau is supposed to be a good defensive um mind, but it seems like. You know that defense is just non-existent. Yeah, um, yeah, I think uh, that was more of a front office issue, um, because, like I said, they had guys last year that would get out and defend. Uh, Reggie Bullock was an excellent defend, you know, two guard that could defend, and he was a he, he actually had a good second half of the year heading into the playoffs and knocked down a couple of threes off of Julius Randle's assist. Yeah, but you're absolutely correct. They had blunders uh, over the last week. They blew a lead. They had a 20-point lead, I think, in Portland on that sat last Saturday. I watched that game. Went to, went to bed pissed. Uh, Monday, Oklahoma City had a lead in that game. Blew that lead. It let them come back. And, and that was a game without Shea Gilgis Alexander. And then <laughs> the worst of probably of all of them, no Kyrie, no Kevin Durant. Had a 27-point lead. And, that, and, that, and that, that's here's the crazy thing about this game. You're going to love this. My boy, I have a friend, Philadelphia. He sends me a message. He's like, yo, man, the Knicks are shooting well. This was in the first quarter. And I said, they're going to lose, man. 
<laughs> I know my team, man. I know this team. Like they have no killer instant, and they have they have no close. Remember, I was talking about closers, Demar Derozan, yep. Zach Levine. They don't have that. The the only closer they really have, kind of like that, is Derrick Rose, and he's not necessarily a closer at this juncture, his, this uh, this junction of his career. But he's a guy that can actually get his own shot, even at thirty two, and. He, the Knicks have nothing, dude. I mean, nothing when it comes to closing. They can't sustain leads. They, they come out flat in the third quarter, and a lot of that is the head coach. But, man, they are the, pretty much last in assists. They they did the – they were the number one team against the three-point last year. They are nowhere near that this year. And they and they don't develop their players, to be honest with you. Remember I was telling you earlier about Obi Toppin, and he kind of improved, but he's mm-hmm. not difference-making level – difference maker but a guy like this is what really bothers me like guys like Mitchell Robinson offensively if he has somewhat of an offensive game he'd be an all-star but he does he I don't understand that game maybe you can explain this to me guys like of his defensive talent why do these guys not develop offensively I mean, some of these guys could be perennial all-stars if they had a little bit of a mid-range game I don't I don't understand how they came out and have that it seems like in, in today's NBA, I mean, you're either a, a good perimeter shooter or you're just a good defender. It's like it's not like you can be both. And and, and I think that's and I think a lot of that, like you say, is, is goes to development. I mean, you figure, you know, some that's why maybe it's good some of these guys come go to the G League and then once they're done with the G League, then you know they get brought up to the NBA. Because I mean. I just don't think. I mean, in in, in today's um sports, I mean, they they don't take time to develop, you know, t- the, the talent. You know, you either you either this or you're that, and I think that's kind of hurt a lot of hurt the NBA and hurt a lot of these players. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's why the G League is there, so they can develop. So I don't know what the – in the Knicks case, I really don't know. But I, I would have to really go team by team to, you know, we can assess that. But, yeah, that, that's the issue with the Knicks. They have no point guard, and not in today's NBA. You don't have that, man. You, oh, yeah, you don't have that. You're done. You're, you're done. And you're done. finally, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, last year they were basically a Cinderella um, story. And now this year they're, they're two games under 500. I mean, Trey Young – it's still doing this thing, but it's like now, I mean, they still have good bench, but they don't have any good defense. I mean, what do you say was happened to the, the Atlanta Hawks this year? I think the injuries got up, caught up with them. And well, there's two things. The injuries caught up with them and number two teams were ready for them. I think they snuck up on teams last year, not necessarily the Knicks, but the teams they played after the Knicks, uh, like Philadelphia, uh, even you know when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals versus Milwaukee, teams were ready for them because they caught a lot of hype with the Trey Young, especially in the playoffs because it sold the narrative, and they see Trey Young in all these uh, State Farm commercials, all these commercials, the promotions. So like you know how it works, Gabe. Like if you see these yeah. guys on TV, man, they're gonna want to see these cats. Man. Um, the injuries kind of caught up with Atlanta. I think they've got they didn't get anything out of what they thought they could get out of Cam Reddish. That's why they traded him to the Knicks. Also, uh, Bogdanovich has not played a lot of games, and he was a, a key part in their shooting. Um, the, John Collins, a guy who ended up getting uh, the, the contract, he's not a difference maker, but they they were in that one of those situations sometimes, Gabe. Like, you got a player, and you kind of have to pay him to see what happens as far as if you could take the next step. But if you don't pay him, you're probably going to have a major setback. And they probably could have, they probably could have a trade value for him. And they were in the situation with John Collins with that with them. So the the, the Atlanta, and uh, we got to mention another team that has probably taken their place. And that's the Charlotte Hornets. Um, right. We should have said them probably as maybe of a little bit of a surprise as well because of uh, of uh, Miles Bridges. Um, yeah, they're taking they're, they're, they're two games under 500. I mean, they're they they're still have a chance to play in the bu- in the bubble. So I mean, but yeah, I mean, but they still have a chance to you know, like I say, make make up some ground. But they they have to go on a winning streak. In order uh, to get- I would say, Gabe. I would say they swap places as far as where they are from last year to this year. Like Charlotte is where Atlanta is uh, uh, last year, and vice versa. 
Uh, can Atlanta get home? They actually had a little winning streak, I think a couple weeks ago, but they kind of tailed off. Charlotte's been kind of consistent. Yeah, sorry about that lost connection. I'm back, man. Where were we at? No, we were, we were talking about the Atlanta. We were finishing up on the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, teams are not ready for them. Uh, plus the injuries. And I think, uh, I, I think it's just a, frankly, a lot of teams in the East just got better. Cleveland, <laughs> the, the entire division I'm in, Atlantic, <laughs> they got better. And then you throw in Charlotte. There's not a lot of room in the East. The East is very competitive. Yeah, yeah. The, the, actually, the the East is actually what, what what the West has been for the last twenty plus years. I mean, usually <laughs> the, the West usually has like five or six teams, and usually the East usually has like maybe two or three. But now, and looks like you know the East is on the same level as the West. I agree. I agree. The East, is the, the, all the competitions in the East. I totally agree with that. It, I, sometimes it happens with free agencies and trades. Man, it takes a while. Um, yeah, it's totally all in the East now, man, for the most part. You got but three teams in the West, I'll say, maybe four at the most. Everybody else is in the East. Yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah exact, exactly. But let's move on to here, here's a here's a here's a subject of a possible de- of, of debate. First, I mean, who would you say right now are the MVP of the um, league? Actually, I have four I have at least I'd say four or five. Um, possible MVP um, candidates. I'm gonna uh, not in no particular order. Um, I have John Morant, Joel Embiid, Giannis, Demar Lerosen, and Steph Curry. Now, if you had to pick one of the one one guy who you believe is the MVP right now, who would it be and why? Joel Embiid, because if Philadelphia wins the division, he's going. to I think they play in the toughest division in basketball. Uh, the Knicks was somewhat good. I say, it, I mean, I think it's already good even if the Knicks stinks. But it's right. Take them out. It, Toronto, Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. That's that's the most competition. And you win that division, and then he's leading the league in scoring as of right now. Um, he was actually on the MVP trick uh, track uh, last year until he got injured, and Jokic ended up taking it. So. I'm going to go Joel Embiid. I, yeah, I probably could make a, pre- a case for Giannis Antetokounmpo and um, uh, you know uh, Stephen Curry, John Morant, but everything goes to Joel Embiid and rightfully so in Philadelphia. What are, uh, so you you said four cases for Curry and uh, Morant and the other guys? Steph Curry, John Morant, Giannis, Demar Derozan. Tomorrow, yeah, I, I, I personally would put Embiid in that conversation for sure, definitely. Yeah, I think Embiid would be my first choice because I mean, he's fine. I mean, I've been saying this for years. I mean, this guy would as talented as he is. I mean, the guy can he has an inside and outside game. He should be leading the league in the. He should be leading the league in scoring every year. And of course, this year he actually is leading the league in scoring. It seems like that 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 that, that um. That um, Charles Barkley and um, Shaq calling him out a couple of years ago seems like that's finally clicked for him. I mean, now he's just basically, a, I mean, a dominant player. I mean, he, I mean, him and Giannis, I mean, they went at it, you know, last night, and I mean, he, he had he had the most points and got out, came out with the victory. And now, as far as John Morant goes, I mean, the reason I, I put John Morant in this conversation is because, I mean, look at what what they did from last year being in the bubble. As we, as we talked about earlier, to now being number three in the um, Western Conference, and that's not an easy feat. And as far as Giannis, I mean, we all know you take him off Milwaukee, and they're just a, they're just an average team. And then for for me for DeRozan, I mean, look, people, I mean, we, I think a lot of people in the league forgot who this guy was. He, I mean. When he when he got going when he was in San Antonio because like you say they weren't winning like like they normally would and he just basically got lost in the shuffle and of course we all know what Steph Curry I mean we we don't know how much he means to the Golden State Warriors even now even with um um Clay Thompson coming back so those those are my five um top um candidates for MVP 
And you make a great point. And I also have to add, because I think number of games plays a huge factor in all this. And that's the reason why MB didn't get it last year and probably could play a little bit more games. I know he was hurt a little bit. And Jokic is quietly still doing it again. I mean, he fills up a stat sheet. And he's a clear-cut leader in Denver, still without Jamal Murray. And however Denver finishes, you definitely got to put his name in the hat. I mean, I yo, this is really going to be close because you could make a case for a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys are like probably sitting in that three seed to six seed in the NBA in their respective conferences, whether it's Giannis, um, DeMar DeRozan, like you said, he's, he's he should be considered for sure. Uh, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Nikola Jokic, Stephen Curry, these guys are putting up the points, uh, but Jokic does it all, man. I mean, he's he hasn't been hurt like that. Um, yeah, man, I, it's it's a close it's a clo- it's a close case, man. It's, it's a close race, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even think about. I forgot about um 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 Yuka um, Doncic. I mean, because he, I mean, yeah, because I mean, the Dallas Mavericks are in fifth place right now. I mean, then of course they won a couple of games in a row going to All Star break. But of course, I mean for um for Luca, I mean, I think he's gonna be judged more what he what they do in the playoffs because I mean, I mean two straight years they've they've got they've seen a first round exit. I mean, almost similar to what you know Dame Lillard you know has been experienced. So, I mean, while it's good that they're looking good thus far, I mean Jason Kidd, I mean kudos to him. He, he's done a good job. You know, coaching this team, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna judge them based on what I see in round one of the playoffs. Yeah, rightfully so. I understand exactly what you're saying with the Dallas Mavericks. I actually was it a week within a week ago. I saw them play the, the Heat in Miami, and we and much as love we were giving to Miami and their culture, they went in there or down double digits in the uh, going into halftime, and they came out in the third quarter and took it to Miami and won that game. I mean, it's only a regular season game, and I get that. But there's guys that have been playing well and fitting what they do do well. They traded up Porzingis, and they ended up, you know, with their roster, we're bringing in uh, Davis Bortons. But also, Jalen Rosen has played well, too, as far as point guard, offset or off guard, along with Luka Doncic as well. But I, to be quite honest with you, I don't think – they get out of the first round. They gotta first of all, they gotta avoid the playing game. If they can afford the playing game, I gotta see where they match up in the first round. It may be Memphis. So um I gotta I gotta see where they finish off uh in the seating. But yeah, they gotta get past the first round for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean right now the play I mean, looking at the standings of the playoffs where to start the day, they'll be playing the Utah Jazz. And and uh, Memphis will be playing um the Denver um Nuggets. So, and I think those would be those would be definitely some interesting interesting matchups. But I also think adding Dinwiddie from the Wizards helps the Mavericks when he gets back. He, he's a capable scorer, man. Don't sleep on Dinwiddie, man. You add Dinwiddie with Brunson, who's I, I was always a big fan of Jalen Brunson. I don't understand why he never got the respect coming out of Villanova. He was a double uh, two-time national championship winner. Like, like guys, it's like guys win national championships in college, and it's like they get to the league and people forget about them. Like, that that well, guy won championship. He's a leader. Well, hey, they say, hey, this is the pros. I mean, you, you got to think in pro sports. There's a what have you done for me lately? Um, um, league. So. I mean, just like the like in the NFL, it's basically what have you done for me lately? And if you ain't done nothing lately, it stands for not for long if you're not doing anything. So, so that that's probably why you know he's not getting the respect that you know he deserves because it's like, so you did that in college. What are you gonna do in the NBA? But I get that. But here's the, here's my argument to that because I've seen teams uh, make draft picks on potential and Detroit when when Detroit drafted. Uh, Killian Hayes from France. I don't know if you remember him, like from two seasons ago, has done absolutely nothing in the league game. Nothing. So you're really going to take a flyer on a guy like that versus a proven commodity on a Jalen Brunson type? I'm just saying that out loud, speaking logically. Like, like sometimes some of these teams, it'd be like the Detroit, it'd be the Sacramento's of the world, it'd be like uh, these Minnesotans. You know, these same teams that are always in the draft lottery taking on a flyer, uh, trying to hit strike gold with potential and bombing out. And they, they never done nothing. 
these players that they draft. Yeah, well, hey, that's why these, that's why those particular teams you mentioned are at the bottom of the barrel because of poor, poor, I mean, poor draft picks and poor um, office management. Yep, that's pretty much right. <laughs> so that's a, that's that's basically why they are where they are. I mean, as as Bill Parcell says, you are what your record says you are. So true. Yeah. So so let's go ahead and um and and, and close and let what, let's just um go. What do you what are you expecting in the second half of the NBA season? Because we got about you know twenty four, almost like twenty four to twenty six games left in the regular season. So what do you what do you are gonna be looking for, and what are you expecting, you know, going forward when the um, season kicks off again after the All Star break? I think in the East, Brooklyn is going to make shocking moves, either up the standings or in the playoffs when they get everybody in tag, especially for those road games. I think this is one of those unique situations with the vaccination in New York City about you can't play, you know, if you're a home player, you can't play at home games, only road games. You put Kyrie Irving with Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons and some shooters around you, how can you lose? And, and, and oh yeah, and also guys like Drummond to do the dirty work on the boards, Blake Griffin. Because remember last time we spoke, you asked me about does Blake Griffin have left in the tank? I don't know if you remember that part of the conversation when we talked last time. I mean, he may not be the formidable all-star, but he's still giving you enough to get you rebounds and, and a couple of, you know, a six, you know, eight points here and there. That's still enough to get the job done coming off the bench. I think Brooklyn's a threat, man. And I think, and they found the right guy to fit into what they do. It doesn't disrupt, the, it doesn't disrupt what they do offensively at all. No, I mean, actually, like I say, the offense is going to stay intact, but the I mean, I mean, it, this fact is they're finally going to do something they haven't done. I mean, since they put this um, team together, play some defense. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're going to get it. They're definitely going to get it. They're going to have it on a perimeter with Ben Simmons and in the interior with him and uh, Drummond. They, they're they're going to be they're going to be fine. Okay, okay. And what about in the West? Wow, it's a question to me. Can Phoenix keep it up? That I think that's the biggest question. Is if I'll ask you the question too. Is it Phoenix or the rest of the West? Do you, basically, if they were going, who's coming out of uh, who's going to the finals? Is it going to be Phoenix or is it going to be a team not named Phoenix? I'm gonna be honest. I'm not. I mean, while Phoenix is the hottest team, I'm not gonna put them as a shoe in right now because let. I mean, I'm not gonna sleep on the Warriors. Because, like I say, once the Splash Brothers, you know, get get it going, and then when Draymond gets back, I mean, I think that experience factor is gonna is gonna kick in. And let's also remember, I think, you know, the Warriors, I mean, have won two out of the three games against the Phoenix Suns. I mean, thus far this season. Of course, I understand regular season doesn't mean anything, but you got to take that in consideration. It, I mean, if this is a preview of the Western Conference Finals, Phoenix and the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I mean, the Suns are not a shoe in to get to the finals if they meet the Golden State Warriors. So I'm looking, and I, I and honestly, as far as them being one and two respectively, I understand right now the Phoenix Suns have a seven game lead. I mean, six and a half um, lead over the um, Warriors, but I don't, I don't think this um, race for number one is is over yet. I think it's I think it's going to come down to possibly even the final. I know a couple of weeks in the NBA, so that's what I'm looking. For. I'm looking forward to in the West is those two teams um, battling for first place. Now, of course, if they caught, if they're caught slipping, and if, and Memphis can keep and can um continue on their um up uphill climb, who knows? They could probably be number one, but I don't see that happening. I, I think it's it's a it's a two team race, and um, the Suns for number one. Now in the East. Actually, I don't think I don't think number one and number two are set in stone. I mean, yeah, the the Bulls of the Heat are right now tied for first place, but like you said, I mean, I don't think the Nets are going to get first place. But like you say, it doesn't matter. But then there's the possibility they may end up New York City dropping that mandate. So, and if that happens, and Kyrie can play game home and away, look out. And and for the uh, and, and like I said, I think the 76ers 
and the Milwaukee Bucks and possibly Cleveland could actually take that number one spot. I mean, because because there's a good chance, you know, the Miami Heat and the Bulls, you know, on a, a losing streak or so, and that that could give, you know, the, the Sixers, the the, Brown, the Cavaliers, and the Bucks a chance to move up. And then let's not let's not count out just yet. I mean, I know Boston is hot and cold, you know, with um Jalen Brown and um the other guy, um Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. I mean. I mean, that one-two punch, you know, don't sleep on those guys. I mean, I understand, you know, they haven't gotten it done when it counted the most, but, you know, this could, you never know. This could be the year. And I said could be, I mean, in, in small letters. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think in the East, you know, I don't think, I don't think, you know, one through six is settled. No, definitely not settled in the East. Let me, let me go back to the West real quick. Phoenix, I think they got the division. They they got the division. Um, because with twenty four games you left, Phoenix has the, the game division. List. You said, yeah, the division. Uh, the um, probably the probably the conference because you only got twenty four games left with a six and a half game lead. I mean, you got to really stink up the joint to fumble that in twenty four games. I don't see that happening, but more so. What happens in the playoffs for Phoenix? For me, they had that 15 game winning streak that really got them off to a hot, a nice start uh, early in the season. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on the East, man. It's not settled, but I don't think the Celtics had um, a 10 game winning streak and it got snapped. But I just think uh, they're missing interior defense, and that's going to really expose them in the playoffs. That that's my thing on them. It's not necessarily Tatum and, and Brown. They were phenomenal. They outside of Robert Williams, they they need another body. They I don't think they really fully addressed that in the trade deadline. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and then of course, um, the Marcus Smart just got hurt again. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's gonna that I mean, and that hurts their interior defense because I mean, he's one of the, he's 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 actually their best defensive player. Yeah, he's a he's a pit bull. He's definitely a pit bull out there on that perimeter. But, but I mean, Robert Williams has done a very good job for them. Um, you know, he, he's, he's top five in blocks in the league. But he needs a, he needs another guy. They need another like a four, a, a power four that could like get the dirty work. And I don't think they have that. And you kind of need that in the playoffs, especially the way Tatum and Brown play. I think they're they're not going to go far. I don't think. Right, right. Well, I mean, I didn't say they would go far. I think I'd say they, they'll get into they'll get into the playoffs. But as I say, we all know they're oh, yeah, going. Yeah. They're known for like you know first and second round exits, so. I get you. You, I agree. And you know, I and like I say, we all know what's going to happen if they suffer another first or second round exit. They're going to be talking about how these two guys, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, need to be broken up. I think that's a mistake. You, you, I think they need to keep. Them. All they need to really do is keep them. Find the point guard. Remember, Dennis. They 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 got Dennis Schroeder, and that didn't work out. Sometimes you get these point guards, and it doesn't pan out. And you already know him with being on the Lakers, and he should have took the money, and he ended up not getting the money, and he just regressed. But um, they needed a, a point guard along with Smart, and also. Um, a four, a power four that can bang down low with Robert Williams. Then I said, okay, Dave, now we got some. But I don't think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going. It's, it's, I'm, I'm like I say, it's going to be very interesting. Um, um, what what happens, you know, going forward? But you know, to wrap this up, so who wins the All Star game? Team LeBron or Team Durant? I, hey, I'm, don't laugh, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't watched an All Star game in. in, in Decades. Um, I, I catch up. This is the time of the year I catch up on my TV shows, my movies. I'm chilling. I really have no idea who's on either team. To be honest with you, I know it's in Cleveland. Uh, I, I used to go to All Star Weekends back in my younger days. You know, I, I've been to like four of them. But man, I, you know, I, I don't watch All Star games at all in any sport. Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you who's on either team. To be honest with you. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I'm lying. I don't know who's on either TV. There, I mean, that's <laughs> why I figured I'd, I'd ask. But um, yeah, because I mean, the All Star, the All Star game, you know, is basically a, a glorified pickup game. I mean, nobody. I mean, all it is is you know acrobats and 
you know, alley oops and three point shots. Nobody plays defense. I mean, that's why you know, in in, in the NFL, you don't catch me watching a Pro Bowl either. So, absolutely I, not. Because I mean, those guys, those guys are not gonna um, put them put themselves out there, especially if they're in a contract year. I mean, and then they're gonna lose money if they get hurt in a meaningless game. So yeah, I mean, I admit the all the all star the all star game. I mean. I mean, I mean, I may watch it or maybe watch it, maybe watch a little bit of it. But yeah, you're right. Catch up on TV shows be a good way to go. Yeah, we're in the best era for TV shows and movies in, in, in history. I got a lot of shows I'm behind. I'm going to catch up on even after I record with you, man, on your show. But uh, but let me say this, though, about All-Star Weekend. I'm not saying I, w- I actually would encourage fans, if you haven't ever been to a Pro Bowl or NBA All-Star Weekend or MLB, whatever. You should go. It is actually a great experience in person because of uh, the festivities, the events, the things they got going on, the conventions, the parties. That is actually popping. But watching it on TV, the game itself, no, I'm good. Yeah, well, maybe one day, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to go to one of those. I mean, hopefully, of course, my dream is to one day go to a, go to a Super Bowl if I ever um, strike gold and have the money to go. But you know, Man, did you see the did you see the tickets for that Super Bowl in LA? The prices? Oh yeah, they were off the they were they were they were nuts. Yo, <laughs> bruh. Man, I, I, honestly, I, I don't know if I, if my team went went to the Super Bowl, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. I'd probably just go maybe go to the tailgate. <laughs> oh, okay. That, we can work with that. Now, again, we can work with that. <laughs> That's workable. I mean, but get to actually go into the game, yeah, and pay that that that, that, that same amount of money, yeah, no, I don't. Think. Can, you, can you imagine spending twenty thousand on tickets and your team rules? It, dude, oh, yeah. it, it may it may turn into a hostage situation like Die Hard, man, like Bruce Willis. Uh-uh. Y'all can't go home now. We ain't nobody goes home. <laughs> I'll be pissed. That would, that would be painful. That would be painful. <laughs> or not, man. Yeah, I'm with you on the tailgate. Absolutely. I'll do it for that. Yeah. It is right. worth it for that. Oh, yeah. Have fun out there and then, you know, just watch it on TV out there in the tailgate or where else. Yes, sir. <laughs> But yeah, man. But hey, yo, but, uh, thanks for coming on again, Steve. I mean, really appreciate it. I mean, tell everybody, you know, where, where they can they can find you. Yeah, we're, we're, the, we're the Bleed Blue Show. Uh, Bleed, uh, we do an inside out approach for our teams and sports in general. We do our local teams, Knicks, Giant, Yankee, Rangers, but we also do Major League Baseball, the NHL. Um, NBA, NFL as well. Uh, we talk all the teams, all the sports, uh, boxing. Uh, we talk about fan level stuff like tailgates and everything. The whole shebang, bandwagon fans, all that. BleedBlueShow.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, man. It's an honor. The game is always good talk with you, man. You, uh, you guys put up quality uh, 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 shows on a sports takes with galore with game, man. I love your show, man. I get when I do listen to, it, I love it, man. I do sometimes. I gotta switch up and get it out of uh, the Bleed Blue Show mode, and I listen to various sports podcasts, and I, I have you in the rotation. You, you guys do a good job, man. You do a good job, man. Yeah, well, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. And like I say, when I get a chance, I listen to you, listen to y'all as well. So I know, and just keep up, just keep up the good work, and oh, and we'll we'll talk again soon. Yeah, I gotta get you on in this off season on the football, man. When we get to the <laughs> NFC West, or just in general, I know you're a big Niners guy, man, and how you guys packed those uh, SoFi Stadium, man. We gotta get you on for the NFL. For sure. We'll talk to him. We'll definitely talk. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you again for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, and we'll talk again later. All right. Take care. Take care. Peace.